Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. My folks, nine brothers and sisters, lived uh, not too far from Raleigh, North Carolina, the capital, capital of North Carolina. And, you know, we worked sun up, sun down, 75 acres worth of uh, farming there. And um, Jim Crow South at the time, schools were not integrated until the, my ninth grade year. But my family were hard workers. We grew up in the South again, like I said, when a lot of times there was no hope of anyone getting off the farm. Fortunately for me, however, I had an opportunity to go to Boy Scouts camp uh, in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. And that's when I had this idea of going to college. But back in the day, no one ever thought of doing that in our area. Uh, we had no examples. Uh, I was just very fortunate. One or two children out of the school, a short journey school that had uh, had the boldness to ask God to give him an opportunity to go to camp. Got on my knees one day at church and uh, prayed really hard. Your tears flowed out of my eyes. And that was the wow. beginning of the journey. And that journey would land him in the NCAA as well. As the NBA, today's guest, Wayman Britt, says it's thanks to his hard work, determination, and faith in God that he propelled through challenges, disappointments, and setbacks to get to where he wanted to be. He's going to share his inspirational story with us today on Connections. Wayman Britt joins us today. He is a father and grandfather. He's also the author of a book titled Fulfilling the Dream, My Pathway to Leadership and Finding Purpose in Serving Others. First of all, Wayman, you've lived a pretty cool life, at least to me, looking at uh, your story on Wikipedia and your websites and stuff like that. You're yeah. a university basketball star. Uh, even drafted into the NBA. You've had a lot of success in business and you've got that new book called Fulfilling the Dream. Um, and we're going to talk about that story, but we'll also talk about the life lessons that you've learned along the way. I want to start right at the very beginning, though. Uh, yeah. You were born in 1954. That's the same year as my father. But you were born in North Carolina in the 50s. And I'm yeah. wondering if you would Tell us a little bit what it was like growing up in the South and in the Jim Crow era. Yeah. And explain to us in Canada what that was like. Yeah. Growing up in North Carolina, very uh, uh, strong farming community, tobacco farmers, cotton farmers. And uh, my folks, nine brothers and sisters, lived uh, not too far from Raleigh, North Carolina, the capital, capital of North Carolina. And... Um, you know, we worked sun up, sun down, 75 acres worth of uh, farming there. And uh, Jim Crow South at the time, schools were not integrated until the, my ninth grade year. But my family were hard workers. We grew up in the South again, like I said, when a lot of times there was no hope of anyone getting off the farm. And um Fortunately for me, however, I had an opportunity to go to Boy Scouts camp uh, in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and not too far from Smithfield and, and Raleigh. And that's when I had this idea of going to college. Um, but back in the day, no one ever thought of doing that in our area. Uh, we had no examples. Uh, I was just very fortunate. One or two children out of the school, a short journey school that had uh, had the boldness to ask God to give him an opportunity to go to camp. I got on my knees one day at church and uh, prayed really hard. Your tears flowed out of my eyes. And that was the wow. beginning of the journey. 
Yeah. And so you ended up at camp and how, how did camp change the trajectory of your life? Got involved in sports through it? Was that it or? Yeah, it, it gave me a better appreciation for myself and it made me believe that I had the ability to go beyond uh, the farm situation because I met a lot of kids, you know, from different parts of the state who um, probably came from better families in terms of their likelihood of going on beyond college. So I got a chance to interact with these kids and then look at myself, size myself Uh up and say, uh, why not me too? You know, and most of these kids were white kids, of course. Um, You know, uh, Clifford Vincent and I were the only two black kids, I think, that were at the camp. Um, But, you know, that hidden talent that we all have sometimes get stirred up in the in the strangest ways. For me, it was camp. It could be some other way for someone else, but that's what happened to me, where I began to believe in something bigger beyond the, um, the rural farm setting, which I won't not farming. Farming is a wonderful uh, lifestyle. If you have the ends and, and means, we were, um, we were sharecroppers. So yeah, we couldn't make a living, really. I mean, most of the time uh, we owed the the owners of the land uh, for all of the expenses that were incurred, the tractors that we had to purchase and so forth. They were all on loan and lease. So we could not uh, enjoy a life that could be um, really rewarding and profitable. Yeah, literally like a day-to-day existence kind of, right? That's pretty much how it was. Yeah, I was a day-to-day existence and, and no real dreams beyond that setting. And no GPS tractors driving themselves like today. So Absolutely not. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. So those dreams, like you ended up playing basketball at the University of Michigan. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and I mean, that was a big program back then. Uh, what was it like when you were there and what was it like? stepping on that court for the first time as a college player. Yeah, Chrysler Arena, you know, at the time it had been there for about 10 years. I think that's when it finally got built, maybe maybe, maybe less than that. It was a beautiful arena. Uh, Ann Arbor at the time uh, was a great place to just be and hang out. It's a beautiful town. And uh, my whole thing was to go there and, and win. And I had been successful at Flint Northern High School. Uh, in in Flint, Michigan, and we had won two back-to-back state championships and went on and uh, and very successfully were undefeated my senior year. So a lot of schools in the Big Ten were after me, DePaul, Notre Dame, University of Michigan, Michigan State. They were all after me, but I chose University of Michigan because Johnny Orr looked much like my father. He had that seating hairline and had that southern drool. He was from the southern uh, Illinois part of the, uh, of, of Illinois. Uh, and uh, from there, it was just the talent that they had. They were stacked with All-Americans, Henry Wilmore and Campy Russell, both were consensus All-Americans. So they had the better of the best teams that I felt like I could match up with my game and be successful. You know, I had intended on going to the University of North Carolina to play for Dean Smith, but my dad said, you're moving with us to Flint, Michigan. You're gonna get off the, we're going to get out of the farm. And I was going to stay with Coach Coates and his two sons, Steve and Stan. But my dad says, nope, buddy, you're moving with us. You're not <laughs> going to stay in North Carolina. So that ended that dream. But then who, who would ever thought that it would be a, a different dream and a bigger dream? Because now the University of Michigan, we were very successful. We went to NCAA finals my senior year. 
you got to be Indiana, but there's an award named after me at, the, at Michigan, the Defensive Player of the Year Award they give out every year, and you know, I have yeah. a lot of fond memories there. Yeah, what's that like to think like there's an award named after me? I can't imagine what that's like. It's got to be a big honor. It's a big honor. It's a big thrill. I had uh, hadn't intended that to happen. Just I was six one and three quarters inches tall. Now think about that. I was supposed to play guard, but Johnny Orr, my coach, says we want you to play forward because you're pretty good on your feet and you jump pretty well. And he wanted me to play that position. Now, I was a tenacious defender and and did not like to lose. So I went up against guys who were much uh, bigger, taller. Kent Benson, uh, not Kent Benson, I'm sorry, Scott May. Kent Benson was one of the guys on Indiana's team, but uh, – Several guys that you might know, Adrian Dantley, Terry Frillo, Marcus Johnson played UCLA. Uh, some of these names you may know, Bernard King played for the Knicks. Uh, these guys were all superstars, and I was assigned to guard these guys. And <laughs> luckily, my agility and my leaping ability and my tenacity and all of that uh, won in my favor. So they have an award uh, that they gave me called – the Who've Been Hit by the Brit Club, and it was <laughs> all, all Americans uh, on that list. So, yeah, I'm proud of the fact that I did not run from the opportunity, the challenge that presented itself at Michigan. I love basketball, too, where 6'1", you're kind of on the smaller side at 6'1", right? So <laughs> Exactly, 6'1 and 3 quarters is exactly, I mean, who, who am I to be thinking I can play against guys at 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", but that's how... <laughs> Good Lord wanted it to happen, and uh, I'm very, very pleased with how it all came out. Now you ended up being drafted into the NBA, not just the NBA. Did I read somewhere you were also drafted in the NFL? Is that right? Washington Redskins uh, were the no uh, team, the football team. I never played football, but Bard Starr from the Green Bay Packers called me one day. He wanted uh, wanted to let me know that he was they were interested in Green Bay, the Dallas Cowboys, Detroit Lions. They were also interested, but I chose uh, to go. I was drafted by the Redskins, went down to their training camp, met Joe Theismann, Billy Kilmer. Wow. Colin was the coach, and uh, but my love was basketball. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jerry West was the coach. Um, Bill Sherman was the general manager. Lucius Allen, Gil Goodrich, those guys were there. Don Chaney uh, came along, along with uh, Matt Calvin and Cassie Russell. Uh, they are all from the ABA that uh, year that I came wow. out, ABA had folded. So those guys showed up at the team too. So yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, both Lakers and uh, the Redskins being drafted by both both uh, organizations. So obviously like the NBA, pretty tough. Um, you didn't end up having like a decades long career. Was it disappointing to you to not play longer? Or was it one of those things where you're like, wow, this was amazing and I'll take what I can get? was a major dream and it was very disappointing for two weeks i uh, was depressed in my apartment in la i went to see jerry uh, uh, bill sherman the general manager to say look man what do i have to do to stick with this team he said we can't do it we got to move you on because uh the league had folded that the aba had folded and they pushed all those players into the nba they all had no cut contracts so i was odd men out uh-huh. and that was the end of it and uh so, you know, I had to live with it. And then the Pistons, the next year, had my rights to pick me up. And, of course, I became uh, very, uh, very uh, agile and, and, and capable at the time. I uh, began to um, 
uh, you know, find my way. And and even even after being cut by both organizations, uh, and then the Pistons wanted me back the next year because uh, um, they they felt I was one of the better players. I played in the summer league at St. Cecilia in Detroit and uh, led the league in scoring that summer. But um, I chose not to go back, and the reason was that I had begun working at a company called Steelcase Incorporated here in Grand Rapids, and I just uh, had a daughter who had been born, and I felt like I needed to decide at that point what my future was really going to hold. Was I going to chase basketball forever, or was I going to fulfill my dream in business? And uh, I wanted to be uh, more than just a basketball player. And you said that phrase there, fulfill my dream, right? And the name of the book, Fulfilling the Dream. Tell us a little bit about how that dream played out for you in the years that followed the end of your basketball career. It's an amazing journey. I ended up working for Steelcase for 24 and a half years and I was headed for upper management. I was uh, placed in a program as a very accelerated pace career training um, program and was going to be a leader in their organization. And then the bottom fell out in 2001 Mm -hmm. and he furloughed, I don't know how many thousand employees at the time, right size the company. So then there's that dream that folded. Okay. But I had this reserve in my mind that all things happen for the good of those who trust in the Lord and God and, and realize that, these things, these adversities that happen in your life are meant to make you stronger, wiser, better. And at that time, that's what I believe. And guess what? A few years later, after trying my hand at being a general contractor in construction, my wife said to me, do you really want to do that? Should you maybe think about what you're really good at, which is administration and pursue a job in administration, whether state government or county government? And I applied for the position at Kent County in Grand Rapids. Didn't think I would get a call. And lo and behold, they called me. And two weeks later, I'm interviewing for a job. And I became the assistant county administrator. And then after that, after about 14 years, became the head of the organization as county administrator controller. And my dreams are have been more than fulfilled. And the things that I do now with all of that knowledge that I gained at Steelcase and at the county, I now put to use in my own business at Wayman Bread Enterprises and and the things that I do for community and trying to build uh, up our young people to make them believe in themselves and to help them to be resilient, to grow their character. The things that I really, really love to do, you know, which is to grow leaders and uh, so everything has worked out for good, and I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been right now after leaving the county last year and have written the book, uh, my book, Fulfilling the Dream, and looking forward to sharing it with people, talking with people, and motivating people to, to fulfill their dreams, no matter what happens to you, no matter I, what happens. I'm noticing a theme with your dreams, too, like from that moment on your knees praying to go to that camp, right, up to your position in government or writing a book. Uh, from working on the farm, it sounds like maybe it didn't always make the most sense to have that dream, but you had that dream and you pursued it, right? What do you say to people that have dreams but are like, no, that like it's just a dream, it'll never happen? No, don't, don't, don't do that. No matter what people say, my sister Jean told me, you're not going to the uh, University of North Carolina to play basketball. Who do you think you are? I've had that. I remember walking into a meeting one one evening 
what are you doing here? That was when I became involved in, in the politics of, of, of community uh, with one of the local uh, parties. And, uh, and uh, but none of that um, still made me. I still had this dream that I could make a difference. So my, my sister or whoever they are, the people are that are out there opposing your concept of who you are and what you believe that you can achieve, don't ever let anyone superimpose their thoughts and ideas of what you can or can't do. You got that idea, that thought in your mind. It may not happen exactly like you want it to happen when you want it to happen. But hold on to that dream. Don't let it shrivel up. If you have to modify it some, okay, like I did, University of North Carolina versus University of Michigan, okay? Same result, NCAA finals. Hmm. Very successful, yeah. you know, Tar Heels versus the Wolverines. That's what happens. And so all of the all the changes that occur in a person's life are meant to give you preparation for the idea of, of, of achieving your, your dream and your goals. And everything that happens to you happens for a reason. All of it. I went through a horrible divorce and, and, and mm. was separated from my family. You know, and I thought, my God, I was feeling so bad. But even that, I have a beautiful family now and I have a great relationship with uh, several of my children that I I can't thank God enough for what I went through. So now I can coach them on what not to do, how to behave, how to deal with the issues of life. You know, so I look at every every dream, every goal a person has. You, you wouldn't have that goal. You wouldn't have that idea if it wasn't meant to be there. So you yeah. can't. You can't let people uh, change. Even though I was six, one and three quarters inch tall, okay, uh, play in the Big Ten, play at that level, I, I felt like I wanted to be successful. Okay, and it worked out. I did things that people ordinarily wouldn't do. So anyway, don't let anyone hamper your goals and your ideas for your life. I would have loved to have that dream for basketball, but I'm five seven and three quarters, so my dream became radio. And look at me now. So, <laughs> you're doing an awesome job. Hey, look, uh, your size doesn't make a difference, no matter how short or tall you are. Look, more right. than Muggsy Bowles. Yeah, he can, right. He was less. He was he my was, hero. <laughs> think about that, Muggsy. All right. Now, you mentioned um, cheerleading and encouraging people before in their dreams. A great reminder for us when others share their dreams with us, encourage them in those dreams, right? Is that why you wrote the book that was a big part of it, so that people would start chasing after theirs? It's a big part. I've seen so much talent just just sitting on the vine. I I think about even some of my siblings. They could have been attorneys and lawyers, Mm. Uh, just comparing notes and looking at the people that I work with at the county government and saying, if only you could have uh, believed in yourself and gone after it, dedicated yourself, you know, worked hard at it, uh, did did the work and uh, never let anything get in, in, in the way. There's so many people. Look at our prisons today. How many young people are ending up in our prison systems? Look at how many folk that could have become a radio talent like yourself that are sitting by doing nothing with their time. It's a a tragedy. The richest place on earth is the graveyard where all the dreams, all the the books that could have been written, all of the uh, wonderful inventions that could have been made, all of the paintings that could have been uh, drawn, 
that are sitting in the grave, grave right now because people did not believe that it could happen to them. And I thank God that I, I didn't let that happen to me. I didn't, I didn't let life uh, uh, come at me at a point in time, a couple of times in my life where I, I chose to give up. People, people commit suicide. People do a lot of weird things to themselves just because they're frustrated. Don't ever let anyone or anything uh, cause you to believe or think that you don't have the capacity to accomplish that which you're assigned to do on earth. And I, and I say that to you or anybody uh, that's out there thinking about whether or not you should or you shouldn't. Uh, what was it like uh, writing the book for you? Was there like, did you learn any new lessons along the way writing the book or any highlights that jumped out at you? I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. When you start writing a book, uh, you start to figure out some of the things, the missing pieces, the puzzles that you couldn't figure out. Why did that happen? Or why did I react that way? And you start to dwell on these things and you research things and you say, and you, and you find out that you're not that different than a lot of people out there. And, and that's what I got from the book. It really helped improve my overall self-esteem. Uh, and then after the book was written, I became a little bit depressed because it was so much fun because uh, I I enjoyed sitting down and putting my thoughts together and working with Ray Seraph, and it was a wonderful time. We spent nine months on it, and I enjoyed it so much. Um, you just, it's so, so, so fulfilling, so fulfilling to be able to sit and reflect and then put on paper what you feel and what you think about your journey. And uh, I'm just so happy that I put it all there. I mean, it's all there for people to see from my time growing up as a young kid and to becoming a teenager and right on through uh, college and, and in profession. Um, it's just a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful eye opening experience for many people that might have similar in inclinations, whether being a professional athlete, uh, a business leader, an administrator, uh, a father. Uh, all of that's packed in that book. And um, I hope that people will enjoy reading it and learn something from it. Uh, I tell stories that uh, I feel if, if I hadn't written a book, I would have wanted to read it myself to be inspired because uh, it's, an, it's some interesting thoughts in the book about how you overcome issues and how you um, how you uh, face life and don't run away from it. And uh, I think yeah. people can learn a lot from that. I was just thinking I used to be a youth pastor and youth worker in the inner city. And I was thinking it's so many kids that I would love to read this book and be inspired and encouraged to dream big and get out from basically they're told, well, there is no hope. You'll never get out. Right. And no, there's plenty of hope out there. They're so talented, so smart. Right. Absolutely. So many different ways that they could go. So many different paths that they could choose and their talents and gifts need to be shared with other people. I promised to only take 20 minutes of your time, but one more question before we let you go. I want to touch on the subtitle catches my eye. The book's called Fulfilling the Dream, My Path to Leadership and Finding Purpose Through Serving Others. Now you think sports, you think business, you think greed and selfishness, a lot of people, right? Uh, but you've found a purpose through serving others. Tell us about that quickly. So I... I stumbled on something while working at Steelcase that uh, changed my whole life 
I won't get into all the details, but I went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I had this idea of doing outreach in the community. And I stumbled on a, a person uh, that I didn't expect to meet, but he affirmed what I was attempting to do, which was to start a basketball camp called Leadership Basketball Camp. And through that camp, we're going to outreach into the community. Well, from that moment on, I started meeting different people, one of them being Rosie Greer. He came to an event here in town with the same person that I met in Pittsburgh named John Guest. And he said to me, wait a minute, you have presence. And, and, and from that moment on, my idea, my purpose, the valuing of people and those kinds of things and serving others was just something that I felt like I needed to do. And I, of course, all throughout my life, uh, doing these things to help other men from men's ministries at my church to to doing things in community, serving on the DHS board, Department of Human Services board, serving with the Job Corps Community Relations Council. All of that, I began meeting these people and these connections that pushed me into the position of county administrator for Kent County. Yeah. And from that, my goodness, all the things that we did, we built a huge uh, complex called the Human Services Complex. We created the West Michigan Sports Commission. We've done all these things resulting from my being this guy who wanted to serve other people through the DHS board, leadership basketball camp, job corps, community relations council. All of that started from that point. And it just keeps moving forward and moving on. And now we have what we now call the Celebrity Open in Grand Rapids, the Fulfilling the Dream Celebrity Open. And now we're bringing people like Matthew Whitaker to our to our uh, event on August the 22nd here in Grand Rapids. And he's going to talk about his dream, being blind at birth, uh, not being able to potentially walk, talk, do anything, uh, 50% chance of even surviving. And, and, and was only one pound, 11 ounces, this young man. And now he's playing all over the world. And his whole point is that you don't ever let your dreams uh, go to waste. You always, you always believe that you have a purpose and, a, and an ability that needs to be shared. And you don't ever give up. And his folks never gave up on him. And look at the guy now. He introduced Stevie Wonder at the uh, Apollo Theater, the uh, – uh, when Stevie was inducted into the Apollo Theater, wow. this, yeah. this this amazing talent. So anyway, who would ever thought that Wayman Bread back in the day would be doing the fulfilling the dream celebrity open? And we have Matthew Whitaker being our headliner guest for our event. So that's that's, that's that's the whole thing, and it's and it's serving others. And I'm pulling other people in. We're raising. We raised over two hundred thirty thousand dollars last year and hope to reach a half a million this year so that's what happens and then from that i'm learning my other talents and skills and abilities in uh in this entrepreneurial game and how to how to move people together how to get things done and how to solve problems and so forth so i'm i'm, I'm gonna start a podcast show and i'm doing nice. some things that are uh, tied to this and uh you know, production company and so on and so forth. And, and who would have ever known that this would yeah. have come out of the film and dream celebrity open. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I'm taking away from this dream, your dreams, uh, embrace adversity and turn to God and serve others. And it all works together. It does. Tell us where we can get our hands on the book or follow along with uh, your story and see what else you're up to. 
All right. Right now, you can pre-order the book uh, through WBE Books uh, right on the website, uh, WBEbooks.com. You can also find the electronic version through Apple uh, Books and uh, Amazon uh, uh, Books. Uh, You can find it there, the electronic version. And then, of course, in October the 14th, the book will be available to purchase anywhere uh, in any bookstore uh, like Nobles and others, um, Barnes & Noble. Uh, and that'll be available for anyone for a hard copy. We're also going to be producing an audio version of the book that'll be coming out soon too. So you can find us on the website at Wayman Britt at uh, Wayman at WaymanBritt.com. You can find us there or you can find it WBE Books. Well, a real pleasure getting to talk to you. I'm feeling very inspired and encouraged today now. Thank you. (laughs) Very good. I'm glad to have met you. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the conversations we've had here on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.